Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Every day, millions take to the internet to find love, a date, or just a hookup. While many encounters become exciting new relationships, some become devastating dates with death. I'm about to tell you the story of one such deadly online connection. Welcome to I Met My Murderer Online. I'm Patricia Brown, but you can call me Patches. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Grace Mullane had set off on the most exciting trip of her life, a solo vacation around the world. On November 20th, 2018, after spending the first leg of her trip in Peru, Grace arrives in Auckland, New Zealand. She immediately begins taking selfies, sending them to family and friends, excitedly sharing her journey with them. Everything about her trip seems to be going smoothly, but seeing the sights isn't the only thing on Grace's mind. A little more than a week goes by before Grace is able to set up her first Tinder date in Auckland. Her potential date was 26-year-old Jesse Kimson, a well-built, handsome young man, aggressively pursuing her via text. Jesse. Hey, Grace. How are you? Much planned for your weekend? Grace. Hey, I'm good, thanks. And it's actually my birthday tomorrow, but I have no plans. Jesse. Happy birthday for tomorrow. Much planned for this evening, then? Grace. Yeah, maybe. Jesse. Maybe yes? Grace. Convince me. On December 1st, 2018, Jesse Kimson has a couple of drinks at the Bluestone Room Bar at the City Life Hotel. After another shot, Jesse leaves to meet Grace, who is waiting for him at the Sky Tower. Grace was there taking a selfie and then sending it to her parents. Grace sees Jesse and they embrace with a warm hug. Hey, nice to meet you. The two head over to Andy's Burgers and Bar, a restaurant on the first floor of the Sky Tower. After a few drinks, they head to dinner at a Mexican cafe where they drink even more. Jesse then takes Grace to his hotel bar, where he had begun his night. And it's at the Bluestone Room where their night really begins to heat up. Jesse excuses himself, allowing Grace to update her friend, Amina, on how the great date was going. Grace, I click with him so well. And mate, he lives in a hotel. Amina, you have to go to his hotel room. I bet it's like the top floor. As Jesse returns to the table, Grace leaves for the bathroom. 
Jesse capitalizes on his alone time to leave a comment on Grace's Facebook page. He comments on her profile picture describing how beautiful she looks. Seeing how well the date is going, Jesse knows this as the time to take it to his hotel room. He extends the invitation to Grace and she accepts. 9.30 p.m. that same night, Auckland's extensive network of closed circuit cameras referred to as CCTV caught the pair heading from the pub and into the City Life hotel lobby. Shortly after, the couple is captured on camera in the elevator going up to Jesse's hotel room. This is the last time Grace was seen. Grace and Jesse seem to be having the dating app dream date. But after a few days pass, Grace's family still haven't heard from her since the night of her date. A few days later, Grace's parents would report her missing. It was reported on the Wednesday the 5th of December, 2018. This is Auckland Detective Inspector Scott Beard. Inspector Beard led the investigation into Grace's disappearance. Yeah, it was an overseas tourist. She was 21 years old. She was in contact with her family every day. And on her birthday, of all days, she didn't contact the family and they couldn't contact her. So there was huge red flags. And I've worked on another uh, missing persons, which turned out to be a homicide. And so then we just kick into gear. You know, there's a number of inquiries we had to do. Where was she last staying? Let's look at her social media stuff. Um, what friends has she got here? And then later tonight, let's ring the family and get a lot more detail into her. You always hope and think, well, maybe she met someone and just went off the grid for a while. But the fact that it was her birthday and she hadn't contacted anyone and no one could contact her was really unusual. And so you've got to treat them seriously to start with because it's easier then to step back if we find her and everything's all okay. If you don't, we might miss things. Police began investigating and they immediately turned to Grace's social media accounts. What stood out to them the most was a comment left on Grace's profile picture, a comment left by Jesse Kimson. We'd contacted him because we had seen that he was the last person on her Facebook page to make a comment. We arranged for him to come to the police station, and he did. And he was obviously quite confident in his own self. And it was very plausible. When you see him in the first interview, he's dressed in a three-piece suit. He looks a million dollars, and he passes himself off as this well-to-do business type guy and he would use that with a lot of the females he met online and that's why I say I think he's very narcissistic and he he told us some lies even straight away. According to those who knew him, Kimson was a failed salesman who found himself addicted to the online dating world. To Jesse, dating apps were the perfect platform to feed his large ego and engage in rough sex. And according to one of Grace's friends that she spoke to during the trip, Grace had told her that Kimson was a manager of an oil company. This would turn out to be one of the many lies Kimson had told, from being an heir to a successful Australian restaurateur to saying he had gang connections. Detective Scott Beard. And he came with a story, yes, he'd met Grace on Tinder. Yes, they'd gone out for dinner. And then they'd gone their separate ways. Tell us about Grace. Uh, so I was talking to Grace on Tinder. Yeah. Um, we'd matched on Friday. I saw that we'd matched um, the next day on Saturday. And then uh, we met at Sky City. 
and then we decided that we we're going up to Andy's Burger Bar, um, which is on the first floor. Whose idea was it to go to that particular burger place? Me, because I knew I didn't initially know that she was real. What do you mean? Well, there's a lot of so. Have you heard of catfish? No. So catfishing is where someone uses your profile, or uses your photos, and pretends to be you, and then meets, and you're a completely different person. Um, and it's on Tinder, it's all about the way you look. Um, and so if they use more endearing photos, um, you're more likely to swipe for them. Okay. Yeah. And where are you guys going now? So she's going that way and I'm going across the street. Where do, where do you walk? Uh, I go down Queen Street. Uh, no, I go down Victoria Street. Uh, straight down to the bottom and then hang a left and I head towards the viaduct. You go to the viaduct a bit? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You've, you've kind of walked in a bit of a funny direction if you were planning to go to the, the viaduct. What's the direction I normally go? Yeah. And, of course, you know, he's been interviewed, but we also have a team out there looking at CCTV and CCTV is crucial. And it just turned out that... During that interview, CCTV people had seen where he's walking across the road, walking down the road where he said he'd already split up. So he knew he was lying. So the, the further red flags was why are you telling us lies? Coming up, as police turned to CCTV footage to verify Kimson's claims, it would be a few days before police would view Kimson as a prime suspect and reach out to him. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. As police turn to CCTV footage to verify Kimson's claims, they're able to piece together almost the entire evening, from a meeting at the Sky Tower to getting in the elevator at the City Life Hotel. As it turned out, there was no record of Grace leaving the hotel. One of the issues we had around CCTV, particularly in the City Life apartments where he lived, was there were seven CCTV cameras, and we could only watch one at a time. So to watch eight hours would take 56 hours. And of course, we had to prove that because we've had the CCTV of Hempson and Grace getting in the lift and going up to his floor and then getting the, you know, the last image of Grace alive walking out of that lift. And we had to prove that she hadn't come out of that building. And so that took some time. We'd caught him out on his lie. And once he caught him out on that lie, then he wanted to go home. So we had, we had got a search warrant room so he couldn't go back there and then of course we're doing a scene examination the next day the Friday David Mullane arrives in the country on the Friday we did a press conference and David spoke in the press conference and made a public appeal thank you for coming today as you know Grace has been missing for several days we last had contact with her on Saturday the 1st of December 
And as a family, we've been extremely concerned for her welfare. Grace is a lovely, outgoing, fun-loving daughter. Grace has never been out of contact for this amount of time. She's usually in daily contact with either her mother, myself, her two brothers, members of the family on social media. I don't know if you know, but Grace is on a year-long worldwide overseas experience. Grace started this travel journey in Peru in South America and at the end of this was really looking forward to the second leg in New Zealand. She arrived here on the 20th of November and has been bombarding us with numerous photographs and messages of her adventures. We're all extremely upset and it's very difficult at this time to fully describe the range of emotions we are going through. I would like to take this opportunity to appeal to anybody who has seen, spoken to, or come into contact with Grace over the last few days, and to come forward with any detail, no matter how many, how small, and contact the investigation team. Part of our investigation, we have reviewed hours and hours of CCTV footage, and this will continue throughout the weekend. We now have the last known sighting of Grace at 9.41pm on Saturday 1st of December at the City Life Hotel with a male companion. Police have identified this man and he has been spoken to. Through our investigations, we have also identified location of interest and apartment in the City Life Hotel in Queen Street. We are conducting a scene examination at this dress. I understand there'll be lots of questions about what we are doing and why we're doing it and exactly why we're there. However, this is an ongoing investigation and I'm not at liberty to discuss the details that some I don't have at the moment. We still have no evidence of foul play. Grace is still missing. That night, the scientists and staff in Kempson's apartment, they spray what's called luminol, which reacts with blood and it glow, the blood will glow. So you have to have a photographer there to take the photos. And of course, so on this Saturday morning, um, we get to work. I'm given a bunch of photos and told there's a whole lot of blood blowing on this, blowing on this floor. And when I first saw it, I thought he's dismembered her. That was my first thought, seeing all the blood through the room um, on the carpet. But in fact, it wasn't. And when I spoke to the scientist, she said, "Look, Scott, it looks like more likely she's been bleeding." And that he's tried to clean up the blood and by using the water he dilutes it and spreads it and then when he walks it because it's diluted he walks it all around that apartment the investigation was moving so fast and by the saturday morning when we had the luminol the luminol was done on friday night had it on saturday morning i saw that he still hadn't found her there's no nothing suggests that she was alive um so i actually rang brian the, the crown solicitor we had a meeting with one of his other staff and we discussed what we had and uh, decided that on the lies he had told us that we've already proven and the evidence we had from the photos of the blood in the scene. We also had his phone and so we do all the digital forensic stuff around the phone. So he was under surveillance at that time and what I needed to do was speak to the like Brian Dickey because we didn't have a body. I got a call from Scott Beard, the officer in charge, the detective inspector in charge of the investigation. 
This is Brian Dickey, the Crown Solicitor, the U.S. equivalent of a district attorney. He is Auckland's chief prosecutor. He asked me down to the Auckland Central Police Station because they were sort of getting into a position of considering an individual as a suspect and a decision would have to be made at some point to charge or to arrest and charge potentially that day. They hadn't made that decision at that time. Um, Not knowing whether there's been a homicide or not, that they didn't have a body. The police couldn't be certain that uh, she had in fact um, died, let alone been killed. So in those circumstances, it's not um, peculiar for me to be called on to to, um, attend to advise on the spot with the police. Police bring Kempson in again and ask him what happened. But this time, their suspicions of foul play are confirmed. She started talking to me about uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a, a, a sex fantasy Um, movie that's out we started having sex first it was it was just normal Um, it was very placid Um, and then she asked me if we could get into uh, bondage having I guess uh, more violent sex Um, we ended up on the floor um, and we we kept going on the floor, um, and then she told me to hold her throat, and then at that point um, we'd finished. Um, so I went into the shower, um, and then all I remember is falling asleep in the shower. You come out of the shower, the light's been on the shower, you've put a towel around you, you've turned the light off and then you've returned to your bed and you've gone to sleep in your bed. And at that point when you exit the shower, you don't look around at your assumption from the silence. I, I thought that she'd gone. I, I thought she had left. I was in shock. And I... First, Kimson says he purchased a suitcase from a nearby store. Um, I went to the warehouse at the atrium um, and bought a suitcase. He would later complain to his next Tinder date that he had trouble finding a bag big enough for all of his sports gear. Then he would go buy cleaning supplies and a carpet cleaner, claiming that he had spilled red wine on his carpet but not before stopping to have drinks with a female friend. I left to go and get cleaning products. Um, So I messaged a friend and said, I'll meet you at Revelry. Um, After after finishing drinks with with her, I got back to um, city life. Finally, he rented a car. All things Kimson hoped would keep the killing of Grace Mullane a secret. Kimson arrives back at the hotel with the suitcase and carpet cleaner. Kimson probably assumed hooking up with another Tinder date was still on the table. So getting Grace's body out of the bedroom and cleaning the blood was a high priority. 
He begins with cleaning Grace's blood off of the carpet, even though his efforts would be in vain. He then takes Grace's body and stuffs her into the suitcase. It's a tight fit. He finishes the job by loading the suitcase onto the porter's cart into the rented car. I'm out of time. I just can't set you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I went downstairs and I grabbed the, the porter thing. And I put the suitcase on top of the porter thing. I woke up the next day at about 5am and drove the car out to Kumu at first. I picked up a, a shovel from ITM at Kumu. Um, I ended up driving towards the Waitakere's. <laughs> I went into push. I dug a hole. I went and got the suitcase. And I covered the hole. Where where is her positions? Um, I threw them in the rubbish. Whereabouts? Um, Albert Park rubbish. Right. So what items of her property have been disposed of in Albert Park? Um, everything. All of her clothing? Everything that was in the room. Did she have any injuries? Not that I can remember. I was just panicking. Did you inflict any injuries on her that caused her to die? Uh, no. We're going to get out of here very, very soon, and you're going to take us to where you buried her. Um, she will likely be exhumed tomorrow, at some point, and after that, they'll, a pathologist, a specialist doctor, will perform a post-mortem. They're very skilled at establishing people's cause of death. Understand that? Did you kill Grace Millane? We're under arrest for the murder of Grace Millane on or about the 2nd December. You understand? Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry, what was the answer to that question? Okay. Are you ready to take us to where she is? The Waitakere Ranges Regional Park is a place where pristine bush, thriving native wildlife, and rugged black sand surf beaches come together. It also served as the temporary burial site of Grace Mullane. So early this morning, we've had a scene examination underway here in the section of bush behind me. An emotional inspector beard appeared before the press to confirm the discovery of Grace's remains. This area was identified late last night as a location of interest as a result of our investigative work. I can now advise that a short time ago, we located a body which we believe to be Grace. The formal identification process will now take place. However, based on the evidence we have gathered over the past few days, we expect that this is Grace. Obviously, this brings in the search for Grace to an end. It is an unbearable time for the Nalane family. Our hearts go out to them. The investigation will continue through this for some time yet. The focus now is to piece together exactly what happened to a young girl who came to New Zealand on her OE. Any father, any parent in this situation will struggle. Yeah, I feel for my overdaughter in the twenties. Um, so yeah, we're putting a lot of support around him. It's difficult because he's here and the rest of the family are back home. So our hearts go out. Thank you guys. 
Kimson explains to police that he had accidentally killed Grace during rough sex, and about a fear and anxiety, he attempted to cover it up. Upon further investigation, police find that Kimson's interactions with Grace are not exactly unique. Police discover that while Grace's body lay dead in Kimson's hotel room, he had set up and gone out on another date with a woman he had met on Tinder. She was a former journalist who described Kimson as intense, but calm. She said she was definitely getting a strange vibe. They talked about a murder trial she once attended, and he gives an insightful comment. He said it's crazy how guys can make one wrong move and go to jail for the rest of their life. Other women would come forward describing their experiences with Kimson, including an ex-girlfriend who described her relationship with him as abusive. Still another Tinder date said that he had raped her in an Auckland hotel a few months back. While things looked bad for Kimson, it would come down to what happened to Grace. So how did a romantic night in a foreign country turn tragic? Coming up, what went wrong that night? And was Grace's murder intentional or accidental? Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. After a romantic night on the town, Grace Mullane and Jesse Kimson head up to his hotel room. What happened in the hotel room will never be known for certain, but according to the autopsy, whether it was intentional or not, Grace died with bruises on her arms and neck, indicating that she died from strangulation. Police also found traces of blood on the hotel floor. Kimson's phone history revealed that he looked up a number of disturbing queries including the Waitakere Forest and mountain ranges, large bags nearby, and flesh-eating birds. He also visited Pornhub, a popular pornography site. But what was most disturbing were the nude photos he took of Grace on his phone, arranging her body in provocative positions. Auckland police charged Jesse Kimson for Grace's murder on December 10th, 2018, his trial began on November 4th, 2019. While Kimson did confess to killing Grace, the circumstances and evidence surrounding Grace's death seemed to be up for interpretation, beginning with the cause of death. Was it erotic asphyxiation as Kimson claimed, or was it cold-blooded strangulation as the prosecution asserted? In this case, there was an area of significant bruising, um, and it was on the left side of the neck, and it basically extended from the down. Prosecution brought forth pathologist Dr. Simon Stables. If you look at your own neck, there's a very broad band of muscle which comes down the side of your neck called sternomastoid muscle. So the bruising was to the midline of that or just over more towards the, the, um, the right. There has been sufficient pressure in that place to, for a sufficient period of time and for sufficient force for that bruising to occur. The bruising wouldn't occur, I don't think, with a sort of a, a gentle pressure on the neck. It has to be something a bit more forceful than that. The medical examiner initially could not determine the cause of death. If we have 
a grab in the context of consensual but physical sex. This bruise here could have been the result in it. You simply can't tell whether that's a consensual bruise or not. Well, both of those could be. Are you agreeing with me? Yes. This is Barrister Ian Brookie, Jesse Kimson's defence attorney. There's also no indication of any um, DNA from the defendant under the deceased's nails, which you would expect to see, for example, if the person was trying to struggle and scratch the hands of the person who was trying to um, strangle them. And there was also no signs of any of those type of scratching injuries, either on the deceased's neck or on the hands of the defendant. So the the complete absence of what I would call archetypal defensive injuries in this type of situation was no surprise to the defence because that fit with the defendant's narratives that that what occurred here arose out of the context of a consensual sexual act, um, erotic asphyxiation, which was entered into consensually. He doesn't actually give, in his own words, the narrative of a rough sex scenario causative of death. This is Chief Prosecutor Brian Dickey. He says that they did some stuff that might be described as rough sex, or he just says at one point she put his hand on her neck and asked him to hold it there for her gratification. So they were trying to paint that as an entirely consensual event. In this case, to have killed Grace Malone, the defendant, had to have had her under his grip, suffocating her, if that's the right term, strangling her is probably the correct term, for a total of five to ten minutes, at some point of which she lost consciousness and would have become under his hand hold, unconscious and limp and lifeless, and he had to carry on. And if that's not reckless murder in this country, ladies and gentlemen, somebody will have to explain to me what is. This is not sex play. This is not restricted breath games. This is holding a person's neck and throat and wrapping your hand or hands around it, however you did it, for an extended period of time, feeling their struggle as she must have struggled for her life and then going limp and into unconsciousness and you carry on. And finally, the prosecution pointed to what they claimed were post-mortem nude photos Kimson had taken of Grace in provocative poses. There was also the evidence of online searches of porn sites. All proof, according to Brian Dickey, of Kimson's pathological and depraved behavior. He takes um, very intimate um, photographs of her, um, uh, particularly, and and are staged, and it's of her genitalia. And you can tell it's staged because in one of the photographs, you can actually see a human hand uh, pulling apart the anatomy. It was suggested to you in the defence 50-minute opening that there is no motive in this case. Really? When Grace Mullane was dead... He took that photograph there. When she was dead, 
He has eroticized the death of British backpacker Grace Millane, which occurred under his handhold and on her birthday. He has a morbid interest, a morbid sexual interest, and he has memorialized it for himself by taking the photographs, and that is the ultimate triumph of the defendant over Grace Malay, his trophy photographs. But defense attorney Ian Brookie saw it differently. There was no time of death. The prosecution could not establish a time of death. So the question became, was this activity on the phone before or after death? Because, as you can probably expect, whether or not this occurred before or after the death gives rise to a very different factual scenario about what was actually happening in the room. On the one hand, are they taking intimate photos of each other as the defendant said they were doing? So he said that they were doing that. Um, Unfortunately, her phone was not retained because among his panic, one of the things he did was disposed of her phone. And I told the jury as part of my closing address to them about the lack of sophistication and planning here that 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 step of disposing of her phone was a real mistake because it actually deprived him of the opportunity to sheet home the sequence of events that happened after the death. So the the short point is that defence did not accept that this activity occurred after the death that in fact what was happening was who was taking photographs of his sexual partner during the sex um, and that the pornography that was that was looked at um, was looked at in the context of both of them up in that apartment room. This is not a murder, but an accident that occurred during consensual sexual activity as part of casual sex. Between two people who were intoxicated, it developed into activities that can carry some risk if not done properly. But I say to you this, the issue is that the post-death conduct is unlikely to tell you much about what, about the earlier circumstances of her death and much less still about what Mr. was thinking and trying to do when the death occurred. Mr. accepts that his actions did cause Ms. Mullane's death. However, the defence raises an issue about the role that alcohol and intoxication may have played in that death. The defence says that these were actions, these actions were part of sexual activities that they were doing together and were in no way intended to cause any harm to her. This is not a murder. After three weeks of a trial which Grace's parents attended every day, the jury returned with a guilty verdict. The verdict of murder today will be welcomed by every member of the Belaine family and friends of Grace. It will not reduce the pain, the suffering that we've had to endure for over the past year. (laughs) 
grace was taken away from us in the most brutal fashion a year ago, and our lives have been, and family have been ripped apart. This will be with us for the rest of our lives. Grace was a beautiful, talented, loving daughter. Grace was our sunshine, and she will be missed forever. She did not de deserve to be murdered in such a barbaric way. David Mullane, Grace's father, would pass away within a year's time of this statement. The Mullane family suffered immeasurable losses of their patriarch and their daughter. On November 22, 2019, Kimson was sentenced to life in prison with a 17-year non-parole period. He would also be convicted of multiple rape and abuse charges against two other women in 2020, separate from the events with Grace Mullane. There are no words for the wicked ways of people online and the pain they cause. Grace Mullane, a bright soul that came to a tragic end, met her murderer online. I'm Patricia Patches-Brown. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.